Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house, July 24th. Where is the year going? We're already past the halfway mark, my goodness, and it's hot here in Tennessee. I hope all of you are doing very well and somehow managing to keep cool. Monday night, Read My Lips Radio is my show where I talk to creatives. I don't interview them. I don't do book reports or book reviews. We just find out what's on their minds, what inspires them, what gets them to be creative, what gets their creative juices flowing, and maybe it will in fact impact you. Maybe it'll inspire you. Maybe you just say, hey, that was cool and that's good enough for you. So July 24th, and I just want to say we are now at the 105th day in 2023 in the Gregorian calendar. And I don't know if many of you know that Gregorian was a Pope, Pope Gregory, and he didn't like the Julian calendar. So he said, hey, I'm going to change it. So I call him one of the earliest creatives on record. That's my version of it anyway. So he said, well, let's move some of the leap days around. Let's make every 300th day, every 400th year, something like that. And so we have the Gregorian calendar and I want to say to his mother, your son, Greggy, Grego, Gregor, whatever she called him, he did very, very well. There are 160 days remaining in the year. It's the 30th Monday, and nobody gives a you-know-what about that except me. But I'm going to suggest that if you're as happy hopefully healthy and triumphant as we are here, being here, still coming through a very dark tunnel in the world the past couple of years, and we're still here, New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2023 is going to be another big celebration. So I haven't introduced my guests yet, but I'm just going to use their first names. Keith, you look like the kind of guy to me who might have an old whiskey still in the backyard of your house or your family compound. So I want you to get it out and start doing some whiskey and I'll pay the tax for you so it won't be bootleg. But you know, it takes a while to get that whiskey flavor really right. Victoria, I have a feeling that you're going to be making Kahlua or some other flavored, very sweet liqueur. And you have to, you know, you might have that extra sink in the garage. You might want to do your blending in. I think you could use that. So Victoria, start soon because you really want those flavors. It just has to be so delicious. Christine, I'm guessing you might be ordering, I don't know whether you like alcoholic beverages or not. You might be ordering something very special from an online liquor store or an online beverage store. I'll make it very generic. So the shelves are going to be cleared out very soon. Christine, order it soon. Now that we've taken care of that business, I want the three of you, they have no idea where I'm going with this. I want the three of you to make the letter L with your hands, with your fingers, Victoria and Christine, and make the letter, that's it, Keith, you, Keith, Keith, you nailed it. That's one of the best L's. We have somebody special, and we're going to do a shout-out to her. She's not with us tonight, but she, she's not feeling well, a little bit under the weather, but her name is LLL. So on the count of three, you're going to help me say, hello, LLL, just like that. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. Jordan, my engineer. Jordan, could you write that down, please? I think that was the best ever, ever, ever in all these years. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs. She goes by L-E-G-Z. She and I were taking dance classes together on Long Island, and she lives in Whitestone, New York, and I've been trying for years to find a place with the letter L for her to move to. We tried London, but it was just too hot last year, and we tried, I have lists of L cities all over, and then I realized I just moved to Loudoun, Tennessee, (laughs) so I'm going to, we're taking up a fake GoFundMe, and we're going to move her to 
Loudon so she can be my neighbor. And we're very happy to have her. At 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, Keith, Christine, and Victoria, I will receive a letter from LLL, and it will, an email, and they she will tell me what she liked about what you said, Christine, and what she got from you, Keith, and what she got from you, Victoria. So she's very, very important to the show. Okay, so let's go on. Let me tell you. Oh, wait a minute. We're in the now in the Western Zodiac of Leo started yesterday, July 23rd to August 22nd. Leo has arrived represented by the lion. Let me tell you the personality traits, just a few. And Christine, Keith and Victoria, I know none of you were born under the sign of Leo. But if you want to be an honorary Leo, see if any of these characteristics describe you just wave a little finger at me if they do. Are you vivacious? Any of you? Hmm? Mm, no, Keith, come on, tell the truth. The, theatrical, Keith, you have to own up to that one. Come on, improv, come on, you're, you're theatrical. Uh, we need to know if you are, you love to bask in the spotlight and celebrate yourself. Ooh, Christine's looking very bashful, I don't know. Keith I, is thought quite, gonna, oh, I thought you were going to say bask in the sun. <laughs> well, that's the same thing, bask in the sun. Uh, what about ambition, determination, remarkable bravery, and natural leaders? Any of you brave and... Oh, Keith is, yeah, he so. admits it. Christine, Victoria, I know you already. I know you are. Uh, playful Leos lean into drama-fueled romances suitable for the tabloids, and every Leo thinks of him or herself or themselves as a celebrity. So how, what percent? Do you think you're an honorary, uh, Keith, you're an honorary Leo today? You want to be uh, one? I mean, probably like 2%, but I think that makes me a Leo enough. Just I think 2%. it does. Christine, what percent for you? I think 50% just without the like narcissism. Ooh, okay, well, there you go. That's a word we didn't read, but it was be- a subtext. Yes, Victoria, what about you? You want to be a Leo? I'll take vivacious for 50. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the recommended careers are actor, <clears throat> event manager, maybe that's the other side of the camera, designer, teacher, motivation, Victoria, you were a teacher, motivational yes. speaker, I think you're all motivational, travel writer, I don't know about that, politician, we'll skip that one, <laughs> PR executive, celebrity agent, or entrepreneur, I think you're all entrepreneurial, so I'm going to tag you with that. Here are some famous Leos, listen up, JLo, she was born today, Halle Berry, Barack Obama, Meghan Markle, our new uh, princess of something, Mick Jagger, Helen Mirren, Sandra Bullock, Madonna, does it get any better than this, Ben Affleck, Chris Hemsworth, Jennifer Lawrence, Viola Davis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold, Robert De Niro, Whitney Houston, late great Charlize Theron, Theron, Joe Jonas, Jason Momoa, Oh, it's just, they're just way, and Kristen Chenoweth, she was born today also, just way, way too many people to mention. So, uh, you're all honorary Leos as far as and I have somebody in my family who's a Leo and he is, let's just leave it there. He is. Okay. So let's go into introductions formally. I'm going to read a little bit about you. Just wave hello when I do. And then I'll ask you to spend about three minutes telling us what I didn't mention and why you're here to talk about creativity. So Keith Saltoyanes, S-A-L-T-O-J-A-N-E-S. I said it right. I get I get a sip of that whiskey. I don't drink whiskey, but you're going to send me a sip anyway. He's the founder of Improv LA Creative Training Center. Can't wait to talk about that. He's taught improv techniques in over 10 countries. Why not 11, Keith? And holds a Guinness World Record for the longest improv show. We want to know when you're, it's your turn. You got to tell us about that. I've done uh, improv and I had my own comedy troupe a while ago, Keith, and I studied improv with Robert Gelman from the Chicago Second City. And I took uh, comedy with Stephen, Stephen, um, 
whatever his name was from the American Comedy Institute. So in Manhattan. So there. Uh, he also is a story specialist at DreamWorks Animation. Woohoo! And a creative specialist at Netflix. I bow to you, sir. That's a lot of creativity. So, Keith, welcome to the show. Very, very nice to meet you. Then we have Christine Milkovic-Kraus. Christine, wave hello. Love the hair. She's a brunch enthusiast. I've never had one of those on my show, although not admittedly. She's a soap maker. I want to know how what, what are the scents you use in your soap. And more importantly, she's the author of Long and Short Reviews 2022 Book of the Year, Teddy Loses His Ears, and I think we're looking at the logo. Yes, we're looking at the cover there. This is the debut of her True Life Adventure series, Educating Young Readers About Pet Care. How sweet, Christine. Lovely to meet you. And then we have Victoria Winifred. I met her recently. She was on my video cast show for local creative talent. She's a chess expert. She's a former New York City elementary school teacher. Obviously, she survived very well. And she's the author of the middle grade mythological fantasy book, The Princess, The Knight, and The Lost God, A Chess Story, and the upcoming Cozy Chess Club Mysteries aimed at readers ages seven to nine. So I'm calling this episode, Read My Lips, groundbreaking creativity in honor of all three of you. So let's go around the table. It's time to find out who you really are. Keith, I'm so excited to have you here. I've never had anybody in your line of work. It's Is it work or is it play? I don't know. It was always play when I was doing it. Keith, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Please regale us with your story. When did you start being creative? When did you start being funny? Take it away. Keith, go ahead. So about an hour from now, I'm going to start being creative start being funny. I'm still learning how to do that. Uh, just kidding. Uh, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. You're welcome. Uh, but really, I feel like I, I was creative as a, as a child, as we most people are. And then, you know, adulthood comes in and people tell you, hey, stop jumping on the furniture. Hey, stop wearing costumes to school. Hey, stop doing that. You're embarrassing me. You're going to lose friends. No one's going to want to be around you. And then I sort of became a mold of, of just like everyone else around me. And I feel like creativity is really being different simply, but even more than that, just having fun. What sounds fun to you, which usually will be different because you're your own unique person. So then in high school, I started to come out of my shell a little bit more. And then in college, even more while studying at a conservatory theater and then starting improv is where it really opened up for me. Because in improv, you're making everything up on the spot. And that's where you really get to have fun and play. Tell me about the longest improv show. We want to know where, when, who was in the audience? Was it you in front of a camera? What were you improving? Did somebody give you cues? And how long did it last? And how'd you get into the Guinness? Just a few of those answers would oh, be fun. Yeah, just the previous few. record was 70 hours long. And I did this with my my friend and, and comedy partner, Rob O'Connor. And we did a show a few weeks before that was 12 minutes long. And we said, we just want to perform longer. And I said about the 70 hour show. And we said, we should do an entire week. So we did a show for 150 hours, oh. which is seven days nonstop. This was happening during the L.A. Improv Festival, which had shows in the evening. But we just went all day long, 24 hours a day for seven days a week. And in the audience were two people when it started. We were live streaming. There was two people watching. By the end of the week, it was standing room only, literally people trying to climb into the door, pushing in just to have a glimpse. And we had 40,000 people watching the live stream. And the improv on stage never stopped. There was never a, hey, we're going to take a break. Come on back. It was continuous for seven days, nonstop. We slept on stage. We ordered food in character yeah. to have delivered on stage. We went to the bathroom in a bucket. 
Uh, just kidding, just kidding. People brought people brought us food. We didn't actually order food, and we also didn't have a bucket. We didn't have a bucket. It was it was insane. But now the record stands for 150 hours, which is the longest record for the longest improv show ever. Keith, how many improvers were there? How many performers? You and your friend, just the two of you? So the, I don't remember the exact number, but there was there was some people would come in and out. So it's like some people would jump on stage for an hour or two, then they would leave. Um, but a lot of it, yeah, there was long stretches of time. I think one day I did 20 hours and maybe Rob did another or another 20 hours another day. It was just very, very long on stage, very tiring. And we said we would never do it again. But recently there's been talks where we should do 151 hours just to break <laughs> our own record. Oh my wow. goodness. I'm I'm a big fan of improv. I know that there's always a rumor, Keith, when you see the improv shows, whose line is it anyway? I watch that from time to time. I just am so enthralled with their creativity, with their spontaneity, with their pickup on this, the freeing of the mind. But what I want to say was I, I have some friends who watched it with me and I said, Oh, it's written, it's scripted. Oh, of course, they rehearsed their lines. Of course, I say, No, they how could anybody be that funny, that responsive, that spontaneous? if they didn't know what they were doing. I said, that's what's improv. But Keith, to the point, I describe life as an improv. I'm not reading a script. You're, you know who you are. You gave us your bio, but you improved a version of your bio. Victoria's going to do hers. Christine's going to do hers. Christine, I want you to smile and relax there, Christine. There we go. <laughs> just an improv. We're just going to teach you how to improv. So I consider life itself, when you pick up the phone, you don't say, okay, well, I'm reading script number, unless you're you know, a phone answering person. But it's like, hi, this is so-and-so. Who are you? Or uh, You're improving everything. You go to a restaurant, you improv. Oh, I want this. No, I want that. Give me the fries. Give me this. You're I'm thinking of drive through. Um, anyway, I think of life as an improv. I don't think a lot of people see it that way. Keith, do you agree with me? We're just. I mean, it feels it like up. you took this right out of my head because it's literally a lot of people learn improv to, you know, to act or to write. But we're improvising every day. I'm playing the character of Keith. You're playing the character of Red. Everyone's playing their own character. And when we go into situations, we think we know it's going to happen. Oh, it's it's meeting with my friends. I know what that's going to be like, but you don't because that's improv. And it's being in the moment and practicing those skills of improv that can help you navigate the unknown world because you never know. I'm, I'm going to go to the store today and something happens and then we, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But we're all doing a long, long, long improv, hopefully longer than you know we expect. <laughs> But we're all doing a very long improv of just life, playing the character of ourselves. We're Absolutely. all doing that. Absolutely. We think alike. And, you know, I think that improv, in a way, is the precursor to the big famous word now, mindfulness. Live in the moment. Well, that's what we're doing. Thank you, Keith. I want to move on. Let's get to know Christine. Christine, so happy to have you here. I'm putting you on speaker view. I want to see that beautiful smile. I want to see Teddy gets adopted. Tell us, who are you? What have you done? How did you get to this place in your life? Christine, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, speaking of improvising, I was a 911 operator for 10 years. And I think because you have such a serious job that I started just being more creative and, um, you know, free in my spare time. Um, but yeah, you improvise solutions for people all the time because rarely do they uh, call with a real emergency. You know, normally you just tell 
no, no, no. You just tell them something just to get them off the phone or, you know, try to dispute resolution over the phone with them. So there's a lot of improv with that. But I really admire what you do, Keith, because um, I love going to comedy shows. And one day my dream is to get up on stage just on an amateur night. I have a few jokes on my phones that, that I come up with. And I, I think one day I'll be brave enough to do what you do. So, um Yes, very admirable. Um, Right now, for the last 20 years, I've been working as a border services officer in Canada. And um, I'm a mom of two kids. I have an eight-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. And we had a pet dog and the dog... um, uh, died and so we started foster the kids were devastated so we started fostering animals and that's how we came to rescue Teddy and then Teddy and my children have been a big source of inspiration for these books uh, what else um, I, I was making soap during COVID like uh, we mentioned in the bio um, so I'll make anything custom sense you tell me what color what what ingredients you want what sense you want I've just got it all and so people seem to really like that. And I am currently in the final stages of building an Airbnb property um, just about 90 minutes away from the city in the woods. It's uh, all coming together and I will give out my soap to guests <laughs> when they come to stay at the house. And yeah, so I'm getting creative with design and budget and trying to make all of those things fit together. Um, So I'm really stressed and nervous at the moment because uh, money is tight towards the end of it. Everyone wants to get paid. (laughs) But so that's where I'm going right now with my creativity. Thank you. But I have to ask you, you put the first thing in your bio, Christine, is brunch enthusiast. Yes. What is your favorite? Do you cook it? Do you order it somewhere? Does somebody make it for you? What's your favorite brunch? Just briefly, what are the top three menu items in the best brunch in the world for Christine? It's only one. It's Eggs Benny, hands down. (laughs) Not with ham, though. I want crispy bacon. And if there's like some avocado or something like that, or even some shrimp, that goes even better with it. So I make breakfast every weekend, um, oven-cooked bacon so they don't get splattered with grease. Um, But I do enjoy going out for brunch with the ladies and having a little mimosa. Very nice. Thank you very much. (laughs) That was a lot of ingredients for Just Eggs Benedict. Okay. Do you you have a special hollandaise recipe or you wouldn't use canned hollandaise, would you? No. Well, I don't make hollandaise myself. I, you know, that's one thing I would like to do is take a sauce cooking class, like just covering all the sauces. I think that'd be really um, good to have in your back pocket. But no, that's why I go out to eat. (laughs) Very nice. Well, you're a very busy lady. I'm happy you're here. Thank you very much. Wonderful smile. Let's go to Victoria. Victoria Winifred, who I met recently through the Authors Guild of East Tennessee, and she was on the local version, which was just a video cast, not a radio cast. And I was so thrilled with meeting her that I invited her to come on the show and and be worldwide. Now we're going to make you famous, lady. So, Victoria, just pretend you don't know me. I don't know you. That's an old New York joke. We won't go there. But let's (laughs) one hotel room. Yeah. Okay. One bed. No, no, no. Anyway, not not appropriate for the show. Victoria, let's hear the whole thing. New York City school teacher, chess expert, novelist, mythological (laughs) fantasy. Talk to me. Victoria, welcome here. Thank you so much. I just have to give a shout out to the two other guests because I connected with them so much on the things they were sharing uh, with the improv mindset. You know, I started out as a theater major at Pace University. I chose there because they only had like 10 theater people and I got to 
get a lot of roles, <laughs> but it was really terrific and it grew and loved improv. And I, I looked at your book a bit on Kindle earlier, Keith, and I really liked what I saw. And I like the teamwork thing, just like we're all doing here now, we have teamwork. And that really uh, stuck in my mind, that yes and part, if anyone's going to read it. And I also wrote a book, Christine, about a, a pet that had passed away, a tribute to them. It's not in my chess persona, but it's a different book, Murray the Cat, that I wrote. So I relate to what you shared as well. And I know how much heart goes into a book like that. But getting back to the my chess situation, well, I was an elementary school teacher for 10 years in New York City schools at a top district. And I moved to Tennessee. I taught there for six years. Uh, taught full elementary school literacy mostly, and I was a chess instructor for many years as well because I caught chess fever in approximately 2007. So once I came to Tennessee, I started writing, and I just felt, as I have shared, that it was assigned to me to create chess con chess fiction content for kids. Could be the Queen's Gambit, uh, got the world going, but I had started this book that behind me here, this particular one before that, although I had read the Queen's Gambit because I was pretty well versed in the chess world. And what I like to do as a teacher, I was always looking for books, uh, exciting books about things my kids loved. And because I made chess our classroom culture, I was looking for books that included it. Now we have Harry Potter has a scene with chess. It's very awesome. And then Alice in Wonderland. But there wasn't anything that had chess as a main backdrop for the story. Now, you don't need to know how to play chess to enjoy my books. I make very sure of that. That's not the point. But it's chess as a culture. And you're going to want to learn chess. And that's part of my goal. But also because it's so good for kids' minds. And in my books, this book here, it's doing really well. I'll have to toot my horn, right? It's got well over 110, 119 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's going very strong right now, and I couldn't be more delighted and, and grateful. Uh, later, this next month, I'm going to be launching my Cozy Chess Mystery Series. My kids used to love reading those short books of series, perhaps, uh, you know, Junie B. Jones or A to Z Mysteries or Magic Schoolhouse. So I created a situation, some content that had a chess club and after school chess club, which is where I fell in love with chess in 2007. And mysteries just seem to appear for these kids and they solve them. And at the, by the end of each book, not only will the mystery be solved, but a chess opening will be taught in sim in a pro appropriate level teaching by the end of the book and my first book in that series comes out in august it's called no time for halloween the frankenstein dracula defense now how much more halloweeny can you get about that <laughs> and the plot circles around a missing chess clock and i'll leave it at that and soon to follow will be my Christmas version of, of the series, et cetera. So I'm really thrilled and grateful you asked about the creativity. It is daring. And for me, it's about daring to be yourself. And mm -hmm. to be quite honest, that takes a lot of confidence to really do that, to come up with an idea and put it out there and say, I'm going to follow through with it. I'm going to get in the flow and I'm going to do this regardless of pats on the back or slaps in the face, you know, whichever way it goes, a <laughs> little bit of both. So I'm really uh, very grateful to have been fulfilling my 
dream post-classroom. I retired uh, from the classroom. I certainly didn't retire from life, but I retired from full-time teaching. And I'm pumping out my chess fiction for kids content. And I couldn't be happier. Thank you very much. And you brought up an interesting point, and Keith, of all people, will understand this. When I was doing stand-up comedy, I had my own troupe called, um, we used to perform, Keith, in Borders bookstores and public libraries all over Long Island, New York. And in Borders, we got paid, my partner and I got paid in cash, she and I split the cash, we got gift certificates. So all of my comedians, my comics, would get a gift certificate, and they'd go around Borders, they'd buy books, magazines, <laughs> they'd get records, CDs, they were thrilled. We got took home a couple of bucks. In the libraries, we didn't get paid. Well, some libraries did, but it was just a lot of fun to keep it at that clean level, although I did run into some people who didn't like some of the language. Somebody mentioned the V word virgin in one of my one of my comedy things when we one of my presentations when we went to Borders and she banned us in all Borders bookstores all over New York <laughs> and New Jersey. So I had to fight my way back to that one. But what I want to say was there's two ways to look at and uh, somebody mentioned a, a clap or a slap. Well, there's two ways to look at comedy. When you're on stage, you're holding the microphone, which is a position of power, right? So you either kill if you do well, or you die on stage if you don't. So think about the metaphor for that. On that, I'm going to leave that one alone. And by the way, Keith, it was Steve Rosenfeld's American Comedy Institute. That's where I started. And it's it's brutally fun. You start with a class, a group of people you've never met in Manhattan in a classroom somewhere near near the Ed Sullivan Theater used to be near 54th, a place that rents room performance uh, spaces. You probably know where it is. And uh, you, you're asked, what are the, who are the funniest relatives? What are your earliest memories? And then you get up and you improv something funny for three minutes in front of the class and you're supposed to tape record yourself. And then you meet with Steve and he teaches you to do structure. structure. You get three weeks of groups, three weeks of one-on-one -on -one with Steve. And at the end of the third week, you are live on stage. And I picked Caroline's Comedy Club and my parents and a whole bunch of neighbors came and paid huh. money to see us. And there were 10 of us on stage and a professional opener and a closer. We called them the bookends. We were scared out of our minds. And I got invitations to perform around New York at little clubs like Break for the Border and other places. And I started my own troupe after that. So I have very fond memories and then took a lot of improv. Anyway, off the, off the charts. Thank you, all three of you. Uh, you're all three very, very impressive creatives. You're impressive people. You've come from interesting places to find, Victoria, that authentic voice. And to me, creativity is curiosity, it's confidence, and it's courage. Okay, those to me are some of the elements and we've, we've heard, I've heard this from many of my guests, but let's move on. I've asked the three of you to each send me a fictional quote from a movie or TV character or a song lyric that you're going to relate in your own words to your creativity. Keith Saltonianis, I like saying your name. I might just say it for the rest of the night. Whoever's listening, I don't know. I just spoke with Keith Saltonianis. Uh, he sent a quote from the Blues Brothers, the 1980 American musical comedy film, uh, oh, I have everything here. A screenplay written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis, who directed it, starring John Belushi as Joliet Jake Blues and Dan Aykroyd as his brother, Elwood. Characters developed from their <laughs> SNL musical sketch, The Blues Brothers, set around Chicago. I'll leave it at that. And there's a long line of, of how this quote came to be, but I'm not going to read the trivia. It would take too long. So the line is, orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. Keith, rescue this one, please. What does this have to do with your creativity? A little background, please. Go. That line is pretty random in the movie. It's said by John Candy. But why I like that for creativity is it's so specific. It's, it's he, They're sitting there. He's a cop. He's about to rest Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi's character. And he's ordering these drinks. And he goes, orange whip, orange whip. You want orange whip? Three orange whips. 
and it's just out of place and it doesn't fit really what's going on in the movie. And I laugh every time I see it. And it really, that's what creativity is. It's something that is different. You know, that scene is like, oh, we're just going to watch them perform. They're going to get arrested. But to throw in a little sprinkle of something fun like that is unexpected. And that's really where laughs come from is something that's unexpected. And that line just it personifies that. And it's so specific. I have no idea what an orange whip is, but he was very excited about ordering that in that scene. I'm going to tell you, orange whip is a sweet cocktail made with rum, vodka, cream, and orange juice, typically blended to froth like a milkshake poured over ice in a Collins glass, if anybody remembers what that is. It has been used as a brand name for non-alcoholic drinks in the 1950s. The Tropical Fruit Company marketed an orange whip concentrate to be served as a fountain beverage. Jean Carmen, actress and pinup model, oh, excuse me, was dubbed Miss Orange Whip. Did you know that, Keith? <laughs> the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office lists applications for Orange Whip trademark to be applied to drinks and a chain of juice stores. After the release of the Blues Brothers film, when Jake's parole officer, John Candy detective Burton Mercer, attends the pivotal fundraising concert to arrest Jake and Elwood, the drink had a resurgence, and there you go. Who wants an orange whip? And there you go, okay? So thank you very much, Keith. That was lovely, and I enjoyed the research. Christine, let's go to your quote. You picked a quote from the fight song by Rachel Platt. <laughs> wow, 2015, only six million sold in the U.S., only six times platinum certification. And the song lyric goes, like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a heart open. And here's the line you picked. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. I got chills. Christine, how'd you pick this one? And by the way, it debuted before the song was released. It debuted on the Pretty Little Liars episode, How the A Stole Christmas in December 2014. There's a little background for you. Christine, go tell us how you picked this and what does it mean for your creativity? Go. Oh, I just really feel that one person can make a difference and listening and kindness and compassion and um, sometimes just being heard can make someone's heart open and they feel safe to talk to you and Maybe that's what everybody just needs is a little bit more love. So, but also one person can be very dangerous and they can destroy. It says, um, I might only be one match, but I can make an explosion. Or I, I think of a quote about um, a tree can make 10 million matches, but only one match can burn down a million trees. So I don't know you could use it for good, which I hope to. <laughs> I think everyone can make a difference, but there are some people who just can cause a lot of destruction. So let's choose to be better. <laughs> well, also creativity is lighting, as you said, it's lighting that inspiration. It's it's lighting that light that lights up a room, right, Keith, right, Victoria? Yeah. It's something that people say, wow, you three have just lit, an, a, lit a light, a match for me with your bios, with the quotes. We're getting to Victoria's in a second. You've lit that match of creativity by picking a quote from something that matters to you. You created a moment on this show. So, Christine, that was a very, very powerful quote. Thank you very Thank much. You. We'll forget about burning down anything. Okay, <laughs> other than cold-hearted people, we got to warm them up, right? We're just going to warm them up. Victoria Winifred, <laughs> you have picked a quote from Bridge Over Troubled Water, our song quote, our second song quote today, 1970 song by the American folk duo Simon and Garfinkel. This was their most successful single and known as their signature song. It made number 66 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs 
songs of all time. It's been covered by more than 50 artists, including Elvis, Aretha, and Johnny Cash. It is one of the most performed songs of the 20th century. And it's interesting that uh, Paul Simon wanted Art Garfunkel to sing lead vocals, and he resisted in, for, in the beginning. He really didn't want to. It won five awards at the 13th Annual Grammys in 1971, including Record of the Year, Song of the Year. It topped the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 for six weeks, number one in the U.K., Canada, France, and New Zealand, top five in eight other countries, and it only sold, well, like fight song, it only sold about six million copies, so whoever heard the song. Okay, here's the line you picked. The line is, your time has come to show Shine, all your dreams are on their way. Ooh, beautiful. Victoria, talk to me. How'd you find this line? Well, you know, I'm, I, I love 70s music, so it was actually quite difficult to choose one line. And I always like the part, the bridge of a song. It's like something magical about it. <clears throat> I know this is a song about a bridge, but this was just that special part of the piece. And it actually begins this lyric with sail on silver girl right which i heard was a a slam on paul simon's wife because she found a gray hair or something like that but not that i can relate to that or anything however the cheery part that i really was focusing on is sail on and your time has come to shine you know sometimes things come to an end and that's the chance to have a new beginning and these things sound trite but they're true you know, there were cliches exist for a reason. And, you know, quitting or retiring from full-time teaching, I was able to complete my work. And I know the work is still not completed in me. And I hope to do more things with that. Uh, it says your time has come to shine, but it also says your dreams are on the way. So it's something about the present and yet there's more coming in the future. It's just a positive outlook, like Christine was saying. Not that I have anything against the orange drink, because that made me think of Orange Julius in New York City. I, I figured it was going to come around to that somehow. But, you know, I'm all for all of these things. And uh, I just feel that that is where I'm at right now. Thank you very much. I want to thank the three of you for picking your quotes so thoughtfully and bringing them. Uh, I used to do on, on all of my radio shows, this one and my business show, I used to have people pick a quote from famous people. And my guests would invariably pick Gandhi or Winston Churchill or Mark Twain or Albert Einstein or John F. Kennedy or, uh, I don't know, Maya Angelou. And after a while, I was yawning. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, the 99th time this year we've heard that quote. And sometimes the quotes, I use something called quoteinvestigator.com when I'm not sure about a quote. It's one of my resources. And sometimes quotes that people thought Winston Churchill said, he never said at all. There's a famous quote that was used in 1938 by a creative copywriter for Budweiser Beer, if you can believe it, that was assigned, attributed to Winston Churchill that he never said. So there you go. I always had fun with that. But a couple of years ago, I said, no, I've got to change this up because if I'm getting tired of the quotes and bored, my audience probably is too. So even on my business show, I have them pick quotes from movies and TV shows and songs. And it has changed the energy of the show. So that's one of my creativities. There you go. Thank you, the three of you. Let's go to the part of the show where I'm going to select one or two creative creativity statements from each of you. You sent me four, each of you. And I'm going to start off with Keith Saltoyanis. <laughs> I got it right. Almost tripped me there. I had Victoria in mind. that Saltoyanis. I'm going to pick two from you because I really like these. I'm going to put them together. Uh, one is we expect and one is a surprise, Keith. So what I'd like you to do is take about two to three minutes, 
unpack this for us, the two of them together or separately. And then if either of our other panelists, Victoria, Christine, want to say something, you've got some polite fingers, even a pinky will do. Just wiggle a little finger at me and I'll see you. And you'll have a one minute commentary. Okay. Our timing is very loose here. We're not strictly on the clock. So Keith has sent the following. Your statement number three, Keith, I'm going to start with this. You say creativity comes from a blend of our playfulness we had as a child and all of our experiences up to this point in our lives. I just want to set that one out. You don't even need to unpack it. It's a self. But the one I really want you to talk about is number two. You say, I stay fresh and creative by doing bits, whether the people around me know it or not. Oh, Keith, you got to explain this one. Go ahead. I mean, first I want to say, Christine and Victoria, you had amazing quotes and my quote was just about a drink, which I thought was really funny. These inspirational quotes. And I was like, yeah, mine, he's ordering a drink. Um, but with that, bits are really when you're playing pretend when other people don't realize it. So doing something that's fun for you to do, which is a great way to practice because we feel like, uh, as you said earlier, as a 911 operator, which side note, I did that for six months as well. Um, but Everything is so serious. So how can you play in these scenarios instead of going, oh, I can only let loose when I'm with my friends on Friday night. You can play all the time. Whatever that might be to you is fun for you. A bit that no one else knows about. It's just it's just a fun thing maybe you're doing and maybe people don't even know you're doing a bit, but it makes you laugh. And that's what's fun to practice being creative is doing something that's creative and different for you. So I always love practicing with bits and different fun things that I, that people don't know I'm doing, but I just find it funny. That's sort of my own thing. Give us an example. We want an example. I really just can't think of one right now. Um, Have you done a bit on this show? Have you done one since you've been on my um, show tonight? I'm trying to think <laughs> if I've done one since I've been here. Something that's just funny to me, that's playful in the moment. I haven't really done one since I've been on the show. Um I can't really think of one. Has anyone else noticed noticed that I've done one at all? I don't. Well, I I think you did a bit you don't even realize because your background is flipped in Mm -hmm. reverse, and so your book, The Improv Mindset, is backwards. He's doing it right now. He's changed it to like ten different glasses. (laughs) I I was thinking that. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I could do that too. I I saw you take them off, but I was looking at the background and I didn't. Christine, good for you. You found it. You said you. Daughter of a gun, you look, but did anybody <laughs> notice that his background is backwards? Because sometimes on Zoom, you have to click uh, re- mirror about. image in the settings and it will flip it, it around. It's but I, it's back. It's, it's it's flipped? Yes. It's flipped. The improv wow. mindset is backwards. I'm looking wow. at E-H-T-V-O-R-P-M-I yes. and I'll do the rest but, of the But spells. I think it was a trick because it makes us focus on it more. I think so. I was yeah. focusing on that, Christine. Yeah. Very we, would, we would be ignoring it. I just go. assume that most people watch watch podcasts and videos through a mirror. Like they set up, they set up, and then when they're brushing <laughs> their teeth, they're watching through a mirror. That's what I of do. Course. Does, of course. Well, everyone else of, doesn't do that? We obviously, we do. Or we're going to start doing it right. To, only Tuesdays. I'll try it Saturday. Thank you very much. Christine, <laughs> I'm going to read. Thank you, Keith. Christine, I'm going to read your statement number one. I like this a lot. You say, defining creativity to me can be described as having one of those aha moments of inspirational realization when something just clicks or suddenly makes sense to you and you now wish to share that expression or breakthrough realization in an artistic format. 
Christine, there was so much to unpack in that one statement. I know you didn't even remember sending it to me, but there's <laughs> so much in there. You want me to put it in the chat so you can read it? I can. Copy I think it. maybe. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat and you can start talking. I'm going to put it into everybody. Well, so I wanted to can. give an example of what uh, Keith was going on, how Please. we do little bits all the time. Sure, so as, uh, as a border officer, uh, people ask you all sorts of questions or they like, I'll have people come up to me and say, uh, please help. I'm trying to get to Edmonton. And I'm like, Edmonton's closed today. <laughs> and then, and then it takes them a second and then they're just like, oh, you're, you're very humorous, they say, or something. Or, uh, you know, a lot of people, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Like even with 911, you'd get a lot of crazy callers. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't call them crazy, but people who are you know, not all there. And um, we have a lot of chronic callers too. And uh, they think people are coming out of their television sets and this and that. So we would often tell people to make tinfoil hats and um, it would bounce the <laughs> the rays of people listening off of their hats and stuff like that. And, and I've actually driven through the east side and seen people walking around a tinfoil hat. So it wasn't meant to be a, a, like bad, but you just have to get them off the phone because you need to keep the lines free for emergencies so you have to give them a solution that they're happy with that makes sense to them so it's kind of a little bit of a bit <laughs> so is that is that your aha moment of sharing a realization <laughs> no. <laughs> no uh sometimes you just have those aha moments like uh with children um like a lot of just once you once you get pregnant and have a child of your own it's like you you just get things on a whole other level um and you learn not to take things as seriously or things just become funny to you and, or you, you know, you listen to what your kids are saying and uh, th their innocence and their perspective. And th sometimes things just click and you're like, wow, yeah, we need to share that information with other people. So there you go. And I have to tell you, if you're looking for people with tinfoil hats, go to the hair salon where I have my highlights done. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Absolutely. other day, she, straight up, straight up with tinfoil going here and coming out to the sides. And I said to her, Victoria, you'll love this. I said, are we picking up 1010 10 winds AM 1010 10 in New York? Because <laughs> yes. we're sitting in Loudoun, Tennessee. Keith, have you ever seen I women got getting it. their highlights with foils? And they just stick them straight out. And you look in the mirror and say, holy crap, what happened to me? I'm picking up FM radio in Canada. <laughs> That's Next time I'll say hello to you over the FM, Christine. So Sounds I, good. I didn't think about it. But I took a picture and sent it to my daughter. I said, look at me, I'm flying. Anyway. Oh, we have friends who we always have to take a salon picture where we just, we look hilarious with the tinfoil. But, you know, it's better than back in the 80s where you had that plastic cap and then you looked like a Barbie doll with the like strands of hair coming out. Well, Bar Barbieheimer just debuted in theaters here over the weekend. It, I think it broke the world's record for a debut weekend. And they say the the too bad that the writers on strike and the actors on strike because this is just groundbreaking. But apparently Greta Gerwig did a phenomenal job of getting the Barbie portrayed and Ken too. And the actors are getting a lot of accolades. So interesting. Barbie moments are back, my dear. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Victoria. I'm picking, this is one is near and dear to me, your statement number four. You say, by following and listening to my characters, listening to my characters, I learn new parts and angles of the story. Once I have a setting, a premise, and characters together in a scene, I can become more of a passive observer than a writer. 
I relax and I envision my characters interacting together. What they do, say, and how they react to events often surprises me. Then I write it down as fast as I can. Mm. And I have a feeling Keith identifies with this with his improv characters. I, I have a feeling. That, yeah. And me as a playwright, my characters always spoke to me. Victoria, this is your statement. Unpack it, please. Go ahead. Yes. Well, first, I have to just take a moment and address the Barbie situation and tell you that my personal role model is Carby. And she loves her pasta, pizza, and wine, and she's still pretty. Barbie okay. <laughs> is my role model. Okay, but I wasn't but expecting move. that, Victoria. Oh, not you know, from you. There you go. You be, just keep talking to me. You'll you'll find a lot of things you don't expect. Getting to know you. Go ahead. This I love that song, Rogers and Hammerstein. But anyway, well, you know, as a teacher, uh, it goes with uh, some of the things Christine said as well. Uh, you know, listening to children and and what you said also, Keith, that that playfulness as a child, that's why I just love teaching. That's why I ran away from advertising because I didn't want to work with grown-ups anymore. And I just wanted to mostly be with kids and just, you know, enjoy them and teach them. But, of course, those years helped me write about children. And many of the compliments I've gotten is that my dialogue between children is very natural I, except for people that don't know children, they don't understand what it sounds like and what it's like. But, and it's, you know, I might be cheating in a way. I might be creating my own AI because my characters existed in different pieces throughout my life. My characters, as many people's characters might be, are parts of different people, plus, you know, a little flourish of my own. And it, they very naturally interact with each other and but what i said about learning new parts of the story and envision them in the situation that i've created for them i will have an epiphany many times it's a truth uh, in my mystery several mysteries within my book and a lot of action too and i had something that happened i don't want to give it away i'm like how did that happen to that character and literally i'll wake up in the middle of the night and that's what happened. It's totally not what everyone thinks. It's something else. Now, what I do is I'll grab my phone and I'll send myself an email in the middle of the night so I don't forget because I won't remember quite possibly. But, you know, these things just bubble up in the subconscious. I don't know if you remember those books. They were called magic eye books. And you would stare at this picture for a really long time. Uh, my, my husband thinks it's from the devil because it never worked for him. But I... <laughs> would look at these and I would sort of relax my eyes and then I was like boom this thing would wow this thing would show up and it's a lot like that or maybe it's a little bit like the magic eight ball which you know you ask that black thing that black ball with the opening in the middle and this thing floats to the top with the answer you know my students love that I I tried to limit what kinds of questions they asked but and it'll be you know maybe you know but Things like that would just float to the surface more definitive than that. So I, it's scary. I find it scary because I have mm -hmm. to trust that it's going to happen. I'm going through that with my next book right now a little bit. It's like, okay, this is the situation. And I just have to wait for that to surface by envisioning these characters in that situation, in that environment. How did, what happened? How did it happen? How are they going to fix it? But I find that sitting there trying to make it happen, make it happen, doesn't work very well. It kind of hurts my brain. When I was writing, I wrote three romantic comedy plays a couple of years ago and produced them in when I was doing TV on Long Island with community theater actors, and they were just wonderful. I can send you all links if you want to see them. 
they were edited down to 29 minutes and 30 seconds to fit the time on my TV show because that's it was a 30 minute show. But I noticed, Victoria, that as I, I delineated who the characters were, the lines they were saying just poured through me. I was the channel. I was the vehicle. I didn't have to think. I knew what he said. I knew what she said. I knew what came next. I knew when they were saying something funny. I knew when they were I knew when they needed a little help from me, but not a lot. And it just poured out onto the page, onto what the the script that I was typing. And mm-hmm. it was it was delightful to know that I was channeling these characters. Whose screen is frozen? Christina, you're fine. Christine, you're okay. You're not frozen. Christine, can you hear me? Christine? I don't think she can hear us. Yeah, I don't think she can hear you, but I can see her. (laughs) Yeah, we can see you. Christine, you are okay. You are okay, not frozen. All right. Anyway, I want to go. Let's see what she can resolve this. I want to go back to Keith. I'm picking one more of your creativity statements because I really like this. I don't think anybody has discussed this on my show if they have in a long time. You say being creative is looked down upon in our society Mm -hmm. of get a real job. Yet everyone who says get a real job spends all their free time enjoying things that were made up by creative people. Yes, even sports. Keith, go for it. I want to hear this one. You have just three minutes and then we're going to oh, do some famous birthdays. Go ahead. That's great. Well, just jumping off of uh, what you just said, Victoria, as well. That's I think everyone has the capacity to be creative because we hear those voices and we become those channels. And a lot of times we ignore those things because of what people say. Oh, I, I had this idea to write this thing. I'm not going to do it, though, because that's weird. But w- where do those ideas come from? Out in an ether, if you are present and you can hear those things and you're getting those messages, those, that creativity, you should create it. And it is looked down upon, even though that is everyone loves to spend their free time listening to creative music, listening to podcasts that someone created, watching TV shows, even sports where someone designed the logo and designed the animal. And it's funny, all of the quotes that we said are all things that someone thought about and wrote. Like some (laughs) of the famous quotes by by famous people like Gandhi might have just said in the moment, but all of our quotes are something someone thought about. They wrote down, maybe they edited it. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was blue whip instead of orange whip. (laughs) But those things that, so mainly if you, if you feel like being creative, instead of talking about, Oh, I I have always wanted to do this. Like Christine, go do stand up, try it out. Just do it one time. Cause the worst that happens is you're not good at it, but at least you did it. And if you listen to the people around you saying not to do it because you're afraid to do it, you have a reason you want to do it to begin with. So just go ahead and follow it. It's going to be scary because it's new. Just like swimming was scary. Just like driving a car was scary. Driving a car is still scary. But just go ahead and try it because you have that creative voice inside you and don't listen to the naysayers around you. There That's you mainly go. what I mean. There you go. And by the way, I mentioned to Christine to log out and come back in again. She said we all sounded like we're speaking a foreign language and like <laughs> robots. So that meant she was having a oh her uh, her feed was all mixed up, and I didn't want her to struggle with that. She was smiling a lot, Victoria, but yes. she wasn't going to be able to hear us. So I want to go to she's not going to miss too much. I want to go to some famous birthdays, and when she pops in again, I will be glad to welcome her back. And by the way, Keith, you were recommended to me, referred to me by Mickey Mickelson, correct? Ah, yes, yes, and so is Christine. Yes, Mickey, his company is Creative PR, and he sends me many, many guests over the years mostly horror novelists so you're you're a breath of fresh air they're all wonderful but uh, it's unusual christine came through mickey as well and as i say victoria winifred came to me through the authors guild of east tennessee and i met her through uh 
Cheryl Payton, who was yes. the founder of the organization. So let's do some birthdays. I'm waiting. Uh, Christine's probably very frustrated right now, but mm -hmm. I want to move on because we have just about five minutes left. So famous birthdays. You can say happy birthday if you know who this person is. Linda Carter and Linda with a Y. She played Wonder Woman, the TV's first female superhero in 1975 to 79. Can you believe it's been that long? Before fame, she entered a local beauty contest and eventually became Miss World USA. She tried out for the role of Captain Catherine Janeway on the TV series Star Trek Voyager. I guess she didn't get it. Anyway, she's 72 today. Can you believe Happy birthday. That? Happy birthday. Then we have somebody I mentioned in the beginning, J-Lo. Here we go. Christine is back. Let's get her back in and let's finish these. Oh, as soon as she pops up here, I'm just going to keep talking. I don't know where she is. She's joining. Okay. So we have J-Lo, hip-hop and R&B superstar, Jennifer Lopez. She's only sold 200 million records. I'm doing celebrity birthdays now, Christine. Okay. Celebrity birthdays. Uh, her debut album, On the Six, in 1999, was followed by a certified quadruple platinum album, J-Lo, in 2011. Her best-known songs, Waiting for Tonight, If You Had My Love, Love Don't Cost a Thing, and Jenny from the Block. I don't know if you know, but as a girl, she ran track at the national level, competed in gymnastics and softball. She likes marriage. She was married to Johnny Noah in 1997, to Chris Judd in uh, 2001, to Mark Anthony from 2004 to 14, twins in 2008, 19, 2019. She was engaged to Alex Rodriguez. She called that off and she dated Ben Affleck again 20 years after their and they engaged and they were married on July 16th of last year. Oh my, J-Lo, you go, girl. Love to watch you perform. Kristen Chenoweth, 55 today. J-Lo's 54, by the way. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth won a Tony for her performance in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown on Broadway. She's been in Wicked, Candide, The Apple Tree, and she studied musical theater at Oklahoma City University, and she won the Emmy in 2009 for her role on the TV show Pushing Daisies. Rose Byrne, anybody knows who she is? Australian actress, played superficial and materialistic Helen Harris in the comedy film Bridesmaids, alongside Kristen Wiig, one of my favorite actresses and improvers and character actresses, uh, Keith. She won the MTV Movie Award for Best Gut-Wrenching Performance for Bridemaid. I love that. Anna Paquin is 41 today. HBO's True, Glo True Blood, she won a, a Golden Globe for that. The second, anybody know, Anna Paquin is the second youngest actress to win a Best Supporting Actress Oscar Award ever from her role in the piano. Does anybody know who the first youngest was? Anybody remember the youngest actress to one of it was Tatum O'Neill. How about oh, that? Paper yes, Moon. Absolutely. Paper Moon. Acting debut, she portrayed Anna Paquin portrayed Flora McGrath in the romantic drama film The Piano in 1993. There we go. We have about a minute and a half left. Quickly, I have three social media stars. I'm going to regale. You're going to say happy birthday. You've never heard of them. Saffron Barker was 23 today. Happy birthday, Saffron. She, Keith, she only has 2.4 million subscribers. She's a social media influencer who has three girls who joined her to perform in the band Born to Blush. Born number two blush. Her single 24-7 uh, she competed on Strictly Come Dancing. Happy birthday, Saffron Barker. We have G Jillian Bauer, 29. She, oh, poor girl, only 2.2 million subscribers. She specializes in life hack, haul, and decor videos. And her first video was cute hairstyles for a baseball cap. We'll leave that one alone. And we also have Boogie, 2988. He's 49 years old. And he has 4 million subscribers on YouTube. He has gaming content. And Keith, you're going to love this. He changes his persona. He has Francis <laughs> A lisp afflicted 
childish actor who seeks enjoys breaking stuff. Then he has Jesse, a southern redneck type character, and he has a video of him back flapping into a pool as a morbidly obese man that had 38 million views. Uh, Jay Lowen was born today. Elton John and Kiki D did a duet in 1976 called Don't Go Breaking My Heart. It hit number one in the UK. And one more thing, uh, this, uh, the film Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club opened in uh, America today in 1978, and it tanked. The, vi- the critics hated it with a passion, and it flopped despite appearances by Peter Frampton, Billy Preston, Aerosmith, and the Bee Gees. Oh, my goodness gracious. And that's all I think we have time for. Oh, my goodness. So here's my quick closing. Everybody get ready to wave goodbye. Life is short. Break the rules. Isn't that what we're doing here? Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the best. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Join me. 32 seconds. One, two, three. (laughs) Great. I should do that at the beginning. And never regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else cares. Dance like nobody's watching. When I dance, they watch. Sing like nobody's listening. I didn't sing tonight. Not too much. Love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Let your heart rejuvenate. We grow. Refresh. You will love again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La. And laugh. Last but not least, I stole this line. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye. I think we're over time. Jordan, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.